This is Christian Questions. Plato once said, Let parents then bequeath to their children not riches, but the spirit of reverence. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we're truly glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. Boy, it was cold out this morning. Oh, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to autumn. Good morning, Jonathan. What's happening? Well, Rick, our question for this morning is, do we take God's name in vain? I hope not. And our theme text is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. That sounds pretty serious. It does. So, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's one of the Ten Commandments, so it must be important. But, what does it really mean? Is it just about the words that we use, or is there more to it than that? Can our thoughts and actions also be a manifestation of taking God's name in vain? What's the end result of carelessly handling the name of God? How do we become more aware of ourselves so we hold the name of God with reverence, honor, and Respect. So we are going to spend our entire program this morning talking about what it means to take the Lord's name in vain and how not to do it. Well, Rick, I mean, everywhere you turn, everywhere you are, you hear the Lord's name taken in vain. And you don't even realize it, right? Exactly. It's just part of the fabric of what goes on in everyday life. And and that's part of our discussion this morning is 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 learning to to be able to recognize that and and you know how how do you filter those kinds of things out? Right. How do you let those things just roll off your back and not enter your brain? Mm. And that's a hard hard task. Oh, it is. So, folks, this is an important subject. This is an incredibly important subject, and it's an incredible, I think, an incredibly deep and fascinating subject as well. So, as we talk about taking God's name in vain, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your perspective, and your suggestions on not taking the Lord's name in vain. Our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page at our blog at ChristianQuestions.com. So, let's get started with this. The scripture comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Let's try and define what this commandment actually means. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So that's interesting. It says don't do it, and if you do, there's consequences. You got it. Sounds like dad talking to his kid. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) So what does it mean to take the name of the Lord in vain? So the word take, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. What does that mean? It means to lift, bear up, carry, take, 
support, sustain, endure. Okay, so it literally means to 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 carry. Mm-hmm. Okay, or yeah. support, or yes. sustain something. Let, let's take a look at a couple of ways that particular word is used uh, elsewhere in, in Exodus, so we can kind of get a sense of what it, what it means. So we're going to stay in Exodus by trying to understand this little word, take. Exodus chapter 6, verse 8. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it. You, for an heritage, I am the Lord. All right. And How the word, Rick, is swear is that same word for take. Now, that's weird. I know, it is. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, how do you get the word swear? I will, as I did swear to give it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is God reminding Israel of a previous promise. That's right. And he says, I did swear. How does that mean take? And I think the answer to that is God is saying to Israel, I'm going to deliver you into this land, and I am holding the responsibility for delivering you because that's what I said I would do. Mm, carrying this responsibility right, over right. you. Because gotcha. when, I, when, when God swore to do that, it was, it was essentially putting his very character behind the action that had not yet happened. Wow, okay. So... That's a deep use of the little word take. You know, it's like when you say, you, you know, if you take a pen that's not yours, that's a whole different kind of a meaning oh, oh yeah. than something like this. Oh, for sure. Okay? So this is a big, big meaning, this first scripture, Exodus 6.8. I did swear. I did hold the responsibility for telling you this, and I'm going to come through on that responsibility. That's what God is saying. That's how that word take is used in this other scripture. Wow. Now let's go to another scripture in Exodus chapter 10, verse 13. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. Okay, now I didn't hear take in that one either. It's brought is the same word as take. So the east wind brought Carried the the locusts. I like how that word carry really visualizes what this means so the idea then of taking god's name okay let's we'll break the scripture into two parts take god's name and then we're going to talk about in vain in a moment but the idea of taking god's name literally would mean to hold or possess yes just like god was holding to his promise Mm -hmm. just like this wind was carrying the locusts to have whatever you're holding be in a sense uh, kind of a, a form of your signature and I, and I think that's, a, that's an analogy we're going to want to uh, come back to as we go through this program this morning. Uh, to take God's name is, brings us to a point of our lives, our lives' signature. What are you signing to uh, the things that you do and say and, and think and all of that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with the wind, it, it carried the locust. Yes. And when I, when I used the analogy of a signature, I was thinking about it. When, when a, a hurricane comes through or a tornado and you see the damage, yes. it's often said that, you know, Hurricane Katrina or whatever it was left its signature. You know, well, in, in or the, its mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so the idea is that there is something very, very significant and and profound about taking this word for take. It's not just um when you like I said, when you take something that's not yours. It's it's a whole different different level of meaning. Yeah. It's it's like integrity of God 
promising to Abraham, right. Isaac, and Jacob that promise he, he gave, following right. through with it. So he makes the promise, and he's reminding them, this is the promise I made, this is the promise I'm keeping. There's no, there's no discussion on this. Right. All right. Good. So that's the word take. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does it mean to take the name of the Lord your God in vain? What does the word in vain mean? Well, Rick, it means emptiness, vanity, falsehood. Emptiness, nothingness, vanity, emptiness of speech, lying, worthlessness of conduct. That doesn't sound very good at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> every, every one of those definitions started with emptiness, yeah. emptiness, emptiness. So when you take something in vain, there's an emptiness to the, to, to the taking of it. So it, it's hollow. It's, um, it doesn't mean anything. I, I guess that's really what it comes down to. So uh, let, let's go through a couple of examples of this. Exodus chapter 23, verse 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be unrighteous witness. Okay, so the and word... that word false, Rick. Okay. Thou a, shalt not raise a false report. An empty report. Gotcha. One that's worthless. Mm-hmm. And then that makes perfect sense. That does. Th- that's really easy. Let, let's do one more scripture before we go to the phone. We shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. All right, so this is a great scripture because it's talking about who's going to ascend the hill of the Lord. That would be a good thing to do, right? Yes. Who's going to stand in his holy place? That's a good thing oh, to do, for right? Oh, sure. Uh, he, well, who is it? He that has clean hands and a pure heart and who has not lifted his soul unto vanity. Unto that vain, vain sense, that that worthless, that, right? Empty. So, in other words, it's somebody who, who who says what they mean and means what they say. Yes. It's 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 there's a there's a there, like use the word before used integrity. So it, it really does show you that when you to do something in in vain or through vanity, there's nothing deep behind that. No, there's not. Okay. So the idea behind vain is that of a falsehood or an exaggerated uh, and fantasy view of what's actually real. Ah, interesting. Oh, okay, so it, yeah, this is really going to develop very uh, in in a very fascinating way. So we've got taking the name of God in vain. We've sort of defined things. Jonathan, let's take a moment and let's go to the phone. All right. Well, we have David from Indiana. Good morning, David, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, good morning. Yeah, along that same vein that you're referring to, taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain, the last couple chapters of Job especially where it starts off with uh, where were you when I set the cornerstone. Yeah, I think it's Job 35 or 38, I can't remember. Yeah, 38 maybe. Um, But yeah, uh, that should take a person to trembling as far as, you know, God's name is reflective of God's spirit and, you know, the infinite wisdom of God and just who are we. (laughs) I like the way you put that. (laughs) David, thanks so much. Appreciate it. You bet. Have a good one. You too. God bless. You too. You know, I, I love the way he said that. He said it, that should take a person to trembling. Oh, yes. And, and I think that just nails it. Just <laughs> absolutely nails it, it. Because you're dealing, and, and the, that it is uh, Job 38 as I'm thinking about it. Uh, it. There's a sense of, well, you puny little pipsqueak, who are you in relation to God Almighty? And that should take us to trembling. So, yes. if you are representative of God in some way, shape, or form, how are you carrying his name? Dave, thanks 
so much for the call. And, and folks, again, if you, if you would like to contribute, uh, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Jonathan, there's many levels of taking God's name in vain. Let's go to a soundbite to uh, show us a very basic, common, and almost unconscious example of that. Some of the things that you started out talking about a little yeah. bit earlier. This is from Greg Laurie. Um, he is a Christian preacher of some kind. I'm not sure what his denomination is. And it was a YouTube video on using the Lord's name in vain. But there's another way, and it's just when people say God carelessly. Oh, God. God, I can't believe this. Just to make a point, oh God, you know, you'll hear sometimes uh, young people having a conversation. I'm all like, are you going to go? He's all like, I'm not going to go. I'm like, oh my God, I hope you go. He's all, right? You heard that? I honestly believe that's taking the Lord's name in vain. Don't use God's name like that. And he brings up an, a very good point. And when you hear conversations, people say that phrase... In a very flippant, just casual way. You know, the, the phrase, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, just, it's just part of our normal linguistics. And people who don't even believe in God are saying, <laughs> you're, you're right. So what's up with that? And, and again, it's just become part of language and part of expression. But is it a proper use of the name of God? And the answer is no, it's not. And who has more responsibility, some young person or someone that is mature and is supposed to represent Christ-likeness? Now, see, that's an important point. That's an important point. When, when, and so we can easily look at that and say, oh, these young people, look how in, irresponsible they're being, taking God's name in vain. Well, they are just immature. Right. <laughs> they, they are immature. And yes, there is a level of irresponsibility. But the bigger question is, those of us who are supposed to know the name of God. Yes. Are we taking God's name in vain? Maybe not by speaking exactly the way they speak, but in other ways. Oh, interesting. See, that's the core. So that while that's a good example that everybody can relate to and say, yeah, I've heard that a million times in my life, there's a much bigger question. So, so, so what does taking God's na- name in vain actually mean? It is to possess the name of God as a signature of your life when in fact it is a forgery a false or frivolous representation of who you really are. So, th- say, th- say that again, because that, that helps us to really nail this down. It is to possess the name of God as a signature of your life, when in fact it is a forgery, a false or frivolous representation of who you really are. So, taking God's name in vain is a very serious thing that's much more than just words. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do we take God's name in vain? Coming up, are there consequences for taking God's name in vain? But what if you have a true heartfelt regret? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do we take God's name in vain? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, 
ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, I, I'm just remembering Dave from Indiana, his call, and he said, you know, when, when you're looking at the name of God, it should set a person to trembling. And there's a great power in that, and I want to keep coming back to that yeah, as we go through the program. Awesome. So, folks, again, if you, you have a thought, we'd love to hear your ideas on uh, you know, the remedies for taking God's name in vain in a world that is just vain. <laughs> so, Good point. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a, got a big, big job ahead of us. Let, let's take a look at the, the, the context of, of that particular commandment. Obviously, the context is other commandments. We're in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, but let's go Exodus 20 now. That was verse 7. Let's go Exodus 20, 1 through 8. Because this is, these are the first four commandments, and it's about God. It's all about God. God should be first. God should be only. It's God. God, God. Got and if it. you're not sure what it's about, it's God. <laughs> okay. All right. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. So right there, those first couple of commandments are no other gods before God. Don't make any idols that give you that that divide your allegiance to something or someone else, but always focus on God Almighty. So let's skip down now to verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So you have the third, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, and then remember the Sabbath day, the fourth commandment. Now see, remembering the Sabbath day, I think, is a hint as to how not to take God's name in vain. Oh, that's a good point. Because it's, it's, it's a practical application of going back to your center. And keeping focused. And keeping it held in in the highest esteem possible. Mm-hmm. And so when you see those first two commandments taking the name of God in vain, you know, don't do that and then and then the Sabbath, they really do all interconnect around the integrity of looking at God Almighty. So what it says here is is you know, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We talked about that a little bit, but we didn't talk about the idea of not leaving somebody unpunished who takes his name in vain. That's the next verse or that's part of the um Verse 7 in Exodus 20. So what does it mean to be unpunished? Well, Rick, it means to be empty, be clear, be pure, be free, be innocent, um, be cut off. So to be clear, to be pure, to be free. So if you're unpunished, you're, you're clear. You're, you're, just, you're, 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 you're walking and there's no consequence. God is saying in this commandment, don't take my name in vain because you're not going to be able to walk away clear. You'll be innocent. There, 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 there's something's going to come back at you right, right. that is going to, to uh, be a recompense for what you did. Oh, for the guilt right. of taking his name in vain. Right. You say, so you can think you're getting away with it, but you really aren't. And, and now, here, here, another thing before we go back to the sound bites, uh, another thing I think that's important here is that God is talking to his chosen people, Israel. Yes, which this, have a covenant relationship right, with him. Right, This is not a commandment that's going out to just the general people in the world. No, it's not. It's going to his, his, those who understand who God is, and at that moment in time, who had seen God's deliverance in their very lives. Right. And so it is, and, and that's where we need to focus our attention, as those of us who call ourselves Christians, we have seen 
God in our very lives. Yes, we have. So we have that same kind of covenant relationship with God through Christ. And even higher because it's a, a spiritual so relationship. we should take this commandment with grave seriousness. So let's go back to just, uh, again, we're going to drop in on, on Greg Laurie because he, he gives some really good examples of taking God's name in vain in, in, in sort of practical ways. Now look, Christians are all over the world. Right? Sure. And, you know, we have to do the things that we do. And, you know, we, I mean, we all engage in business and, and we have to make a living and all of that. Right. And, and so he, he addresses part of that in these next comments on using the Lord's name in vain. And sometimes people will use God's name to make a sale. Oh, yes, uh, you know, we're a Christian business. And, and that's great if you want to say you're a Christian business. I just hope you do good work. But don't wear your faith on your sleeve to get a sale. Make sure you deliver the goods in an honest way and do your job and work with great integrity. But sometimes I feel people will use their Christianity just to get business. And, and you know, there, there are fine lines to be drawn in that whole area. There are. And the idea of, and I don't ha- I'm not opposed to somebody, you know, having their Christianity come out in, in, in terms of their, their business environment. Sure. But if that is the piece that you use as leverage... Th- there's a problem Then there. you got to be really careful. Yeah. you got to be yeah. really careful. So there's a lot of degrees here. And, and you know, how do you, how do you handle it? I mean, there, there, are, there are such things as, you know, Christian um, yellow pages and things like that. Mm-hmm. where you can do business with other Christian businesses. Now, is that a good idea? You know, it might not be a bad idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little torn on it myself. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know. Would I advertise in something like that? No, I wouldn't. I, 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 I prefer uh, advertising through, through word of mouth. To me, that's the best way to, to do anything. And it's the integrity of what you do. It's not necessarily, and this might sound bad, but, you know, let me finish, okay? <laughs> it's not necessarily... Uh, the living of the name of Christ that ends up being the most important thing at that moment. It's doing whatever your job and task is with the greatest integrity in the context of getting that job done. Gotcha. Now, living the name of Christ should motivate us to live up to that highest level. Sure. And do all things as unto the Lord. Right. And 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 well, I'll, I'm going to leave that right now. We're going to come back to that in a little while. And let, let's go to an example, Jonathan, a scriptural example of a man who's actually a prophet of God, falling into a pattern of irreverent representation of God. Now, this is a prophet we're going to talk about here for a few minutes. Okay. He is a prophet. He is called upon by God to do the work of God, and he has fallen into a pattern of irreverent representation of God. We're talking about the prophet Jonah. And we're going to drop in on Jonah in the midst of his punishment. Remember it says, if you take God's name in vain, you'll not go unpunished? Yes. Remember God said, uh, go to Nineveh? Yes, he did. And where did Jonah go? The other way. (laughs) Exactly the other way, right? (laughs) Gets on a boat and he tries to run from God. Jonah was carrying God's name. Think about this. He was carrying God's name. He was carrying God's mission because God said, go to Nineveh and preach about their unrighteousness. So he had God's name. He took God's name, but he took it frivolously and ran away. So he's being punished. He got thrown overboard, swallowed by a big fish. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is his punishment for taking God's name in vain. He's in the belly of the fish, 
perhaps digestion is getting ready to start. You know, this is not a comfortable situation. No, it's not. This is the prayer or part of the prayer that's recorded in Jonah chapter 2 while in the belly of the fish. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. So sometimes we find reverence when we have no other choice. And that is often true. Yes. See, see, Jonah doesn't pray to God about his issues until he's in the belly of the fish. Until he hits bottom. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you know, it gives a whole new meaning to intestinal fortitude, I tell you. <laughs> All right, so there he is. He's in the belly of the fish, and what does he say? And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. This is a powerful prayer because he's saying that I know you heard my voice when I prayed. That when I'm praying in, in the, from the belly of the fish. You, God, cast me into the water. It's, I know you did that. In, in the midst of the seas, the, and the floods encompassed me about. All of your billows and all of your waves passed over me. So he's acknowledging the greatness and the magnitude of God Almighty right. from the belly of the fish after he carried and miscarried the name of God. Right. So he's, he's, he's relenting from his running and saying, you know, maybe I should have done things different. See, true faith... Uh, recognizes, well, well actually, I'm, I'm running ahead of myself. Reverence plows the road for true faith. Jonah is being reverent here. He is. He's giving God all of the credit while he's facing certain death. What happens? Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption? O oh, Lord my God. So even though he was cast out of sight, and even though he's expecting his life uh, could be very well ending easily at this moment in time, you know, he, he's saying, you brought my life up from corruption. So he is realizing, he is repenting. Yes, he for, is. For, for miscarrying the name of God. Miscarrying the, the instruction and the prophecies of God. And, and, and running away. And he, is, he really understands that his lot uh, has, is, is because of his own choices. Sure. And, sure. He's, and he's laying he's it before He's acknowledging God. it. Exactly. So, you know, th- there, there, there's hope here. There's hope. So that, and that's where truth faith recognizes forgiveness. It recognizes that we can be forgiven. Because you had, you had asked the question, well, you know, well, if, yeah, if, if you have true heartfelt regret, what about that? Right. And, and Jonah is showing us true heartfelt regret. And so what happens after? When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying forsake their own mercy. Lying vanities. Vanities, thank you. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So Jonah says, They that observe lying vanities, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Vain. Vanities. Oh, okay. Same word. Got the connection. Exactly the same word. So Jonah is saying, I took your name in vain in a hollow forgery type sense. I misrepresented you. Dramatically misrepresented you. And he's saying, those who do what I did 
forsake your mercy. We, we walk away from your mercy. Um, but then he says, I will give what I said I would give. And God causes the, the, the great fish to vomit Jonah out of his mouth onto the dry land. And, and now he's going to go preach. Now, you know, the story of Jonah goes on. It has some very strange twists and turns we're not going to get into now. Right. But the point here is that Jonah sees it and he understands that something needed to change. He saw that he carried God's name wrongly in a very vain and almost forgery type of a sense. And, uh, and, and was, was asking God for forgiveness and God forgave him. That's right. And forgiveness puts the stories of our lives under the light of truth and renews determination. And that's a powerful point. That's what we need when we have taken God's name in vain. All right, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Winter is coming. Yes, it is. <laughs> October. We're, it's a chilly. Uh, yeah, if you were to be around me, you say, that man, he's obsessed with reverence for God. I, lo- I love this topic. I love it. I have just one scripture that, I, if I may, piggyback on David from Indiana. Sure. Okay, you're going to like this, because I think it's so contemporary. It's, it's coming. It's coming. You brothers, you hear the, you, you hear the scripture. Deuteronomy 2.25, that's chapter 2, verse 25 says, This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven who shall hear the report of thee, and shall tremble and be in anguish because of thee. This is God's promise to Israel. And brothers, uh, the, only, the only hope we have, this crisis coming, to resolve the whole issue with uh, this uh, troubled world. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. And so what Julius is saying is the, the, the fear, the utter respect and reverence for the name of God prophetically is coming to the world. Yes. And you know, that's why he kept saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming because that's what the world needs to shake it out of its lethargy Wake up call. of being so idolatrous in worshiping ourselves and what we do and what we think and what we feel. <laughs> that just drives me crazy. So the idea of taking God's name in vain is to carry it with an empty, empty uh, reasoning. It, it's it's a forgery. It if you are called upon to carry the name of God through Jesus Christ, that means that what that's that's the supposed to be the signature of your life. What do you sign when you do the things that you do? Not when you're at church. I'm talking about Monday through Saturday. What do, we, what do we sign by our actions? What do we sign as a name by our thoughts? And by our words. Right, yeah, and, you know, and, and, and I can't forget the words. I'm trying to make, oh, make it, I'm banging my microphone, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> make it bigger uh, than, than just that. You know, Jesus said that he reminds us that the two commandments that were greatest were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Yes. He's saying, this is how you take God's name with sanctity and with integrity. And reverence. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about taking God's name and then living God's name and how we treat those around us. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do we take God's name in vain? Coming up, does your name have a special meaning to it? How about God's name? What is its meaning? 
That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Do We Take God's Name in Vain? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And folks, as we go progress through this conversation, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what it means to take God's name in vain. And really, most importantly, your ideas on how do we not take God's name in vain. What, right. what, what kind the goal. Of, right. What kinds of things do you do in your life to help you stay on the straight and narrow, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you keep away from that? Because it's everywhere. Not just the words, but the actions of taking God's name in vain. And, and you know, the, the idea is, okay, when you, you think about it, maybe we should have started with this. Well, what is God's name? Good point. <laughs> you know, what is this name that we're not supposed to take in vain? And, and the answer is God's name. There are many names, many descriptions of God Almighty in, in the scriptures. That's right, there are. We're just going to touch on a few of them, but to sort of introduce the discussion of the name of God, let's go to a song. It's called El Shaddai. El Shaddai is one of the names for God uh, from Michael Carr. Let's just go to the first verse, and it, there, it, you know, it's a lot of Hebrew that he speaks in the first verse. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are all different names of God. We're going to touch on each one that he he, he sings about here. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same. By the power of the name. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erechim Kana Adonai. We will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. One of the one of the wonderful. I love that song. Me too. One one of the wonderful things about it is that God is so big and so multifaceted, you can't just encompass him in one name. You need many different kinds of descriptions to show us God Almighty. And so what that tells us, Jonathan, is there's a great big responsibility to not take God's name in vain because God's name is many names. That's right. So let's start with, you know, he, he says El Shaddai. Now that's two different Hebrew words. All right, so El means God, God-like um, mighty one. So the idea behind that word El is not just a name for God. It, it's someone who is mighty. A description. Yes, it's a okay. description. And okay. it could also be a mighty man, man of rank, um, mighty heroes, or even angels. Right, right. Because it's something or somebody mighty, somebody right. with great, great strength, so to speak. Uh, Psalm 18, uh, verse 2. These are two, using the word El in relation to God Almighty, though. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. So it gives a lot of descriptions, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, but then my God, yeah. my, my, my mighty one, if you will. L. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Okay, Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou art the Mighty One. Right. And, and so that's one description. That's one reason. And when you say, okay, God is this Mighty One, that's one reason you don't take that name in vain. You don't take it lightly. You don't take it frivolously. And, and you don't live that name through Jesus Christ with frivolity. No, you don't. You you don't sign that in your in your in your uh, examples of your life um, as 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 being true when you're not living it because that's a forgery. Everything the human family has is from him. Okay, so you have El, Mighty One, Shaddai. El Shaddai. What does that mean? Almighty, most powerful. Okay, so again, it's it's focusing on the great great power of God. Psalm ninety one verse one. He that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Of the Almighty, so he will abide under the shadow of the Most Powerful. And if there's ever a good hiding place, <laughs> there th- it that's is. That's <laughs> it. All right. If you're going to hide somewhere, hide in the shadow of the Most Powerful. But you can't hide there if you don't take his name with great respect and integrity, because that's not where you're going to gravitate towards. If you don't take his name with great respect and integrity. Genesis 17.1 And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So Abraham's ninety-nine years old, years old and you know the, the, the command from God is, look, I am the most powerful God, Almighty God. That's uh, Shaddai and then El together. Right. Okay. I am this most powerful, be upright before me. And again, what what God is really saying to Abram there is, walk before me, take my name with you, carry it with honor and respect and integrity and dignity, and I will bless you. And then he goes on to say, here's how I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a son, even though you're too old to have a son. Yes. And through him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I mean... This miracle proves I am the Almighty. Right, yes. It certainly (laughs) does. And it also shows the responsibility of holding God's name up and high and and with sacredness. Yes. Again, folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. But don't forget to tweet us at CQNetRadio. And Rick, uh, I did mention that a lot of names have special meanings. Yes. And uh, you're going to share... Yours with us in a little bit. Yeah, as a matter of fact, in the second hour, uh, first segment of the second hour, we're going to talk about, you know, what what does my name mean? And to even take a step further, why did we, my wife and I, name our children the names that we named them? Be- and, and there's a reason for it, because names should have some kind of meaning. So, folks, you want to stay tuned in the second hour. If you're not on in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live and stay with us. So, uh, let uh, Jonathan, let's see. Do we have time for this? Uh, maybe we do, maybe we don't. Um, there, there's a commentary, you know, and I don't remember the source. I had these old notes, but just on, on El Shaddai, just read that there's a couple of lines of commentary there on it. This refers to God completely nourishing, satisfying, and supplying his people with all their needs as a mother would her child. Connected with the word of God, El, this denotes a God who freely gives nourishment and blessing. He is our sustainer. And I really like the way that describes the sense of God Almighty, El Shaddai. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one name for God. El Elyon 
is is the next Greek, uh, Hebrew word. I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, but that's that's irrelevant. What does that mean? An elevation as title, the supreme. Okay, the supreme. So again, it's talking to us about the loftiness of God Almighty. And so these first few names are really showing you how how much. Uh, again, I go back to Dave from Indiana. His call. You know, the name going before God should should bring a man to trembling. And that this is why. <laughs> this yes. is why right here. Uh, Genesis fourteen eighteen. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. Okay, of the Supreme God. That shows you the level of responsibility that Melchizedek had. Psalm seventy-eight thirty-five. And they remembered that God was their rock and the High God their Redeemer. Okay, the High, the Supreme God. You can't get any bigger, any higher than that. And then, again, that uh, another little bit of commentary here. It expresses the extreme sovereignty and majesty of God and his highest preeminence. When the two words are combined, El Elyon, it can be translated as the most exalted God. So it gives you a sense that there's nothing else higher anywhere from a human standpoint. There's just, we just can't understand anything bigger than that. Adonai is the next name for God. And, and Jonathan, these are just a few of the names for God that are in the scriptures. Uh, we'll touch on some more of those in Seeker Rewind, the full edition and the bonus material. So if you don't if you haven't signed up for Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, do so at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service, and each week, uh, once the email with the link goes out, we do have bonus material, things that we're not able to, to cover during the actual program. Adonai, what does that mean? Emphatic form of Lord, uh, Lord title, spoken in place of Yahweh in Jewish display of reverence. So Yahweh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the letters that could not be pronounced. Mm-hmm. That's how sacred the name of God was. It was given in terms of a, a word that could not even be pronounced. So Adonai was used in place of that out of reverence for God. That's how important the name of God is. Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Okay, blessed be the Lord, Adonai, even the God, uh, and that's the word for El. Yes. Okay. Uh, Psalm sixty-two, twelve. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Okay. So again, you're you're talking about this display of reverence that is, you know, in, in my mind, it's almost being overcome with the emotion of the greatness of God. Yes. And not even being able to pick a name. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's how big the name of God is, and yet. We have reduced that name of God to that simple little phrase that gets used and overused and abused. Oh, my God. And, 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 and you think about that, Jonathan. How, how far off have we gone? That's the way Satan wants it. Yes. That's all I can say. But again, the key is not just words. Taking the name of the Lord in vain is not just through words. That's just part of it. Right. If you bear the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, as a representation of God Almighty, okay, you know, Jesus the Son, God the Father, if you take that name, are you living that name in every part of your life? Is the signature of your every day signing yourself as a representative of Christ? One more name of God, Jonathan, before we close here, Quana. And it means jealous. Ah, so there's another aspect of the name of God. Exodus 34:14. For thou shalt worship no other gods, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Okay, so jealous. <laughs> now you say, why jealous? Because God is almighty. 
God is all powerful. This is not jealous from the standpoint of, oh, you have something I want, I'm jealous. No, that's not it. God is saying, I am your creator. I therefore require you to acknowledge me as such. Why? Because you don't have another creator. <laughs> Good point. That's why. That's where the, this kind of jealousness comes and, from. And he's, he is jealous when people go after idols and false gods and worship things because, and not him. Because those are representations that take away his honor and glory. Exactly. Ex- Exodus thirty four fourteen. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Okay, that was actually Deuteronomy four twenty four. Oh, That's all right. That's all right. We're out of time for the segment anyway. The point here, Jonathan, is we've gone through these simple names of God. These some of several names that give you a description of God Almighty. The context of our conversation this morning is we should not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. To carry the name of God for us through Jesus is to essentially sign our names to our lives or to sign his name to our lives. Are we signing his name in good faith or are we forging his name because we're not living his name? In the second hour, we're going to get into a lot more of the practicality of what it means to take God's name with integrity and how to avoid taking his name in vain. So go to ChristianQuestions.com. If we're not on your area, click Listen Live and stay with us. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, do we take God's name in vain? What are you going to do about it? Think about it. is Christian Questions. Abraham Joshua Heschel once said, We teach children how to measure, how to weigh. We fail to teach them how to revere, how to sense wonder and awe. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions. Talk radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we have a very, very fascinating and interesting topic on the table this morning. What is it? We really do, Rick. And our question this morning is, do we take God's name in vain? Yes, we do. And our theme text is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So the whole idea here, Jonathan, is understanding what it means to take God's name in vain and how not to do it. And if you notice, the, the, uh, we, we always open up every segment with a quote every, yes, every hour. Do. Both quotes were about teaching children. They were. I love that. And to me, the idea behind that is how do you stop a bad trend? You teach your children to, to, to buck the system. You teach your children to do something different. That's right. We need to teach our children reverence. We do. And if we don't teach our children reverence, then they will fall into the same world that everybody else has fallen into. And it's not a good situation. No. So taking God's name in vain, Jonathan, in the first hour we discovered really means to carry God's name um, with, um, without real true meaning. In a Mm -hmm. hypocritical way. Right, right. And we don't want to do that. When you take God's name, 
you are signing God's name to what you do say and think. It's not just words. And right. I always thought that is only talking about the words that come out of your mouth. And it's much or much the thoughts more. in your mind. Which are very, very significant incidentally. Oh, they are. And, and we'll get into some of that as we go through this uh, this segment. So the idea is let's not forge the name of God when we shouldn't be signing it by saying we are living life uh, you know, in the name of Christ, uh, but not living a life as Christ would sign off on, if you will. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah. that's the important thing. Would Jesus himself, would God Almighty himself sign off on what you're doing on Monday, not Sunday, on Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Saturday night, or Friday night. Would God himself sign off on that if you call yourself a Christian? And if he wouldn't, then why are you doing it if you're carrying the name of God through Jesus? That's that's the dilemma that we have here. So folks, how do you not take God's name in vain? We'd love to hear your thoughts and your ideas and your suggestions at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget to sign up for your free app for your smartphone. Just type in Christian Questions at your app store, and it's a free service. And thousands and thousands of people have that app and are making great use of it. We really love uh, that idea. Again, it's a free service at Christian Questions. Well, that's at your app store. Go to ChristianQuestions.com for everything else. There you go. Okay. Jonathan, let's go to a song. Um, We're all familiar with this song. This is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, Just the first verse, and it's talking about a name. Like the pine trees lining the winding road, I've got a name, I've got a name. Like the singing bird in the croaking toad, I've got a name, I've got a name. And I carry it with me like my daddy did, but I'm living the dream. Jim Croce, I I got a name. Yes. What is our name? What name do we carry? What name do we represent in our lives? And we're gonna we're gonna open that up in terms of our personal names uh, in just a few minutes. Yes. All right. Let's go to Israel for a little bit because Israel, God's chosen people, they were given the Ten Commandments. They were given the commandment that said, "You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain." That's right. They were to represent God. They were, and had when they did not represent God's name, they were punished. Yes. And that's what God said. Isaiah 62, verses 1 to 3. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. So we have this prophecy of Israel that is going to show up in the future that God will work through Israel, his, his chosen physical nation, to bring this brightness and salvation. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You will be called by a new name. So God is showing us the sanctity of names and saying that once these prophecies are are in place and all the nations see the righteousness of Israel, you will be called by a new name. Yeah, Rick. With a new name, there will also be a sacred new position for Israel. 
So the new name typifies, shows us something, a new position. Yes. And that's important. It is. That's incredibly important. Let's go to Jeremiah thirty-three sixteen to build on that thought. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which we'll be called the Lord is our righteousness. So what's the new name? The new name is the Lord is our righteousness. So Isaiah says you're going to be called by a new name. Jeremiah says, and by the way, this is the new name. And when you think about it, what a great name. Oh, yeah. What's your name? The Lord is my righteousness. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> not me is my righteousness. Not because I'm so smart, but God is my righteousness. That's a very encompassing it is. new name. It sure shows reverence to the God Almighty. And that's the point of not taking God's name in vain. If we are signing God's name in our lives because we say we represent Jesus as a Christian, but our lives do not reflect the name of God and the sanctity and reverence there uh, that are called therein, when we sign our our lives to an experience, we're forging the name of God. Don't do that. Well, you remember Peter? Yes. He, he, his first name, his name was Simon That's at right. first. That's right. right. Yep. His yep. name was changed. He had his name changed. And that gives us a, a sense of the magnitude of keeping the sanctity of whatever a name is. Let, let, let's touch on that quickly. Matthew 16, uh, verses 16 to 18. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So his name was supposed to symbolize the change that was to crystallize in him. Yes. The question is, how about us? And the interesting thing about us, Jonathan, is there's talk of a new name as well. Revelation 2.17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and a new name written on that stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. So, again, there's a promise of a new name once that crystallized character is fully in place. Yes. Are we striving toward that new name by holding the name of God through Jesus with sanctity and reverence? That's the question. If we don't do that in all of that, all we say, do, and think, then we're in, in big trouble. Yes, we are. Let, let's talk about names for a, l- a little bit here. All right. Uh, you know, my name, and, and everybody obviously knows me as Rick. Right. So my name is Richard, and uh, my middle name is Dominic. And uh, it's, you know, very you know, formal-sounding kind of a name. Uh, when I, you know, I went through life with that name, and, and when I got to a point of deciding to... To, to focus my life on serving God. I, I came to a very specific point when I was about 16. I was pretty young. Uh, my parents, after I'd come to that point, came to me and said, now we want to tell you why we named you Richard Dominic. Now, my father's name was Richard, mm-hmm. and my grandfather's name was Dominic, so I okay. just figured it's a combination of the it's two. It's from the family. It, it makes perfect sense. Okay. And, and while that was true, they said, the meaning of your name, Richard means strong, and Dominic means in the Lord. Oh, I love that. Strong in the Lord. Their desire was that I would grow into my name. Mm. And, you know, that has had had a great impact on me uh, since. The idea that that's what their, their heartfelt desire was for me. And so the only time you hear that word Richard is when you do something wrong from your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great name. You know, it's got great meaning, and that's sure, the thing. Richard? That's the thing. 
<laughs> All right. Do you need to keep reminding me of that part? <laughs> Gee, she's I don't know yelling if she's, from the other room. In the other room. <laughs> Folks, if you have a thought, call quick. <laughs> 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, now, you know, during one of the breaks, you were talking to me about your own personal history. Yes. Of Your name is Jonathan. That's right. Okay, but just just fill in the listeners yeah. on the, the history you were telling me. But when I was growing up, I was always known as John. Okay. And uh, that was it. And when I came to a point of wanting to give my life to the Lord uh, because I hit bottom and I was very worldly and I was later, much further uh, than you. I was more like 25, 26. Um, when I made that decision to serve God because of him picking me up out of the miry <laughs> depths of, of life, I, I no longer wanted to be known as John. I wanted to be known as my given name, Jonathan, because that was my new beginning to serve the Lord. And so I've never known you, because I met you after that fact. Yes, you did. And so I've never known you as anything other than Jonathan. Right. And you don't, you don't even look like a John to me. You look like a Jonathan. <laughs> and uh, the name means a gift from God. So the, the name Jonathan. And, and you know, but, and folks, the, the point is that names mean something. They they really do mean something. Many many parents give chil- their children names because they, of the, the sound of the name. They like the way the name flows. Well, my parents were both artistic. My mother an art teacher. My dad a music teacher. And they had we had four kids. And my dad was John. I was Jonathan. My sister was Jan. My mom was Lois, then Lynn, and Lori. They wanted J's and L's, so they were creative. <laughs> uh, they wanted it to, to do that other than the meaning. So it fit a mosaic, if you yeah, will. Yeah, exactly. So names do have a meaning, and, and, and the point is, if we claim the name of Christ, we are claiming a meaning for our life. Right. And by claiming the name of Christ, it's our signature. Does our signature reflect the name that we claim to hold, or does the signature of our experience reflect something different? Uh, we won't have time in this segment, Jonathan, but in the next segment, I want to talk about the names of my kids. Oh, good. But, but let's go to Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Uh, let's just read verse sixteen and the end of verse uh, nineteen. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. And there's, there's something powerful about that. You know, avoid worldly and empty chatter. This is how to honor and, and sanctify the name of God through Christ in our lives. Yes. You know, in my work experience, and we, we were talking about this earlier during one of the breaks, mm-hmm. I used to work at a cabinet and countertop shop. I don't anymore. And I, went, I worked there, and the first time I went to work there, I, went, I actually worked there twice over, over my lifetime. And... The, it was a very, for lack of a better word, it was a foul environment. Okay. A lot of, it was, it was, it was um, filled with cursing and yuck. <laughs> I don't want to get any more specific than <laughs> okay. that. And it was overwhelming to me. And it got to a point where it started to permeate into my brain. And I started to think in those terms. I, now, I don't like admitting it, but that, that was the ha- truth. And that happens to us. God arranged i was stuck i could not fight it it was too much for me god arranged for me to get another job and i did i went and worked someplace else and that job lasted for two or three or four years and i did a lot of growing up in that period of time Mm -hmm. and i got laid off from that job 
And three or four days after I got laid off, my previous boss called me and said, hey, look, I want you back. And I brought that before God because I knew why I left. Mm-hmm. And, but like I said, there had been a lot of growing up. And so I did go back. And what ended up happening this time is there was still the darkness of the culture, but the brightness of Christ in my own experience held me from being uh, contaminated. So the maturity that you got to at that point. Right. And, and eventually, I even had you come to work with us. That's right. And we changed the culture. It's, it, 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 the language literally elevated itself mm-hmm. because it was different that, at that time. And so it just shows you that it's certain stages in our lives. Sometimes we're just overwhelmed by what happens in our lives and we can't manage it. God will provide a way of escape because the key is to not take God's name in vain through Christ. Don't do that. Keep things in, in a great area of sanctification in your mind. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do we take God's name in vain? Coming up, it all comes down to reverence. So why is reverence so hard to find in our world? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do we take God's name in vain? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, at the end of the last segment, you said something about it all comes down to reverence. Yes. And... That really is the key to the matter of not taking God's name in vain. Not taking it in an empty, frivolous way, but taking, holding, carrying, representing God's name with reverence. And that's one of Julius's favorite things yes, to do. Yes, yes. So, you know, Isaiah, we won't read it. Isaiah 6, 1 to 3 is a, is a vision uh, before God's throne of these mighty, mighty, mighty seraphim angels. Yes. And they have this, this angel, these angels have six wings and, you know, two do this and two this. And it says two of the wings are covering their faces. Before the Almighty. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is a representation. It's a vision, okay? This is not, it's not real. It's a vision of the reverence of the mighty, mighty angelic host before God Almighty. It gives us a sense of how reverential we should be. Absolutely. Because, you know, think about it. An angel could crush you like a bug. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if the angels have that level of reverence, we also should have that level of reverence. Also, in in Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, again, we won't read it, but this is when God is talking to uh, uh, Moses, remember, with the burning bush? Yes. And what does he tell Moses? Uh, He says, um, take off your shoes. Right. Right. this is holy ground. You are standing in a place that requires the utmost respect and reverence. Yes. Mo- see, Moses was standing before God Almighty. He was in over his head. And Moses hid his face. I really yes. liked that. Yes. He showed that reverence. Because he knew that this was so much bigger than he. He was in a place of such sacred meaning, he needed direction to be able to give proper honor and respect. He didn't even know how to give honor and yeah, respect. you're right. He was rightfully afraid and uh, uh, to try to look upon God. So it gives you a sense of the incredible 
bigness of God and the smallness of us in our human form and how important it is for us to put this all together to be reverent and carry the name of God uh, with that attitude and not in vain. Well, Richard, let's go to the phones. <laughs> we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning and happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And we have Luke one fifty nine sixty. They were going to call him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. Many actions are defended in the name of the group. Our family always did it this way. Do it for the team. It's our policy. My country, right or wrong. But the Christian operates under a different name. Acts 13.9 But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Christian takes the name of Christ. Under the name of Christ, he can embrace all peoples. Not bound by a single name, but free to act in love and compassion. Hebrews 1.4 As far superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Randall, thanks so much. Appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And, you know, he brought up an interesting point that we didn't touch on yet, uh, the idea of, of, of Paul, you know, Saul, who was also known as Paul. Mm-hmm. He also had a name change. That's right. And just like you, it was a looking back over the previous experience of life and then looking forward to the new experience, and that name change signified something completely different. And Saul means desired, and Paul ne- Paul means small or little. And how appropriate that would be. Because he was. Right. To, to, to take that new name upon, upon himself and, and live that uh, new name. Um, Jonathan, let's do this. Let's go to uh, another soundbite from Greg Laurie about taking God's name in vain. And then after that, we're going to talk about, just give you an idea of, of you know, the thinking behind our own children's names and, you know, the, the sort of some of the history there. So again, back to uh, Greg Laurie using the Lord's name in vain. Um, uh, that's not the right one. Uh, number six. Why is it we have to have a Christian version of everything? And I was in a Christian bookstore the other day, not our own, and there were Christian breath mints. I thought, do we need Christian breath mints? I'm not kidding. You open up the little tin, there's a scripture inside, and each one is in the shape of a fish. Oh, yeah. That'll be, I don't want to use secular breath mints. Those godless certs, you know. Christian breath mints. Now, now, you know, I want, I want to put a little bit of a disclaimer in there. I understand the idea behind Christian breathments. To focus you right. to the Lord. Right, right. And, you know, they can, they can play a, 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 a positive role in your life. The question is, are they being, why are they being manufactured? Is it a profit thing? I mean, <laughs> see, what, what's, the whole, you know, what's the whole motivation behind it? Right. And, 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 and you know, and Jonathan, and, and I want to diverge for a moment. Trish, I want you to get ready to come in here. We're going to talk about the kids' names in a minute. But just another divergence here. I think sometimes, and folks, listen carefully to this. This is, this is a Jonathan and Rick opinion. Sometimes the churches of our day live God's name in vain when it's all about money. They live God's name. They, they take it, they run with it, and they make the name of Christ a name of prophet. How sad that is. That is as far away from godliness as we can even imagine. Let us not 
fall into those kinds of categories. So having said all of that, you know, just let you cogitate on that for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, names are important. And, and you know, we named our, our three kids Timothy, Emily, and Amy. Now, Timothy basically, well, well Trish, why, why did we name Tim Timothy? Well, <clears throat> Tim was born um, the day after we were attending um, the Bible camp that you were directing. And the theme was on Pilgrim Tim. It was a... A story we made up. story that we did on the Christian life. And the, the character that we had was Timothy. Um, so we named him after that, that character. And also Paul. That's his middle name. Is his middle name. So it's Timothy Paul after the Apostle Paul. And Timothy, two uh, servants of God. And and the word for Tim, the name Timothy means honoring God. Yes. It does. So when you look at Tim, you know, in in his life today, what do you see? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's my boy. Well, you know, and we, uh, we're I, he's he's just um he has ter- he has tremendous honor for life and respect, and if you uh, I don't know he. Uh, I hesitate to say because he has a lot of tattoos, and people uh, <laughs> find that some people find that offensive. I don't like tattoos myself, um, so. but they're all Christian. I mean, he could yeah, he he's tells got scriptures the story all over his body. Of, of God's plan and salvation and and the kingdom of God. He tells the story of him of God through that. So he honors God in his own way, and he's a good man. Emily, her name means what? Diligent one. And again, you know, there was a, a sense of wanting to name her something with meaning. And how, when you look at Emily today, what do you see? Her name is Emily Rachel. It's diligent and gentle. And she's an, an emergency room nurse. And she is very diligent. And she's gentle. And her heart is really connected to people. And Amy. Amy is beloved. Amy Rebecca is beloved servant of God. And beloved is definitely a word that describes Amy. She's extremely loving, and her heart, uh, I don't know, how would you... No, no, and I think that fits, She and she has such a, a, a reverence and honor for God in her life, and folks, if you listened to our program several weeks ago about what do you do when life gets broken, we had Emily and Amy in here with us telling a story of a very hard time in our in our family life uh, when Amy was raped as a as a teenager and how we got through that and you saw that beloved reverence for god come through at the end of the story you know how she grew into it thank you honey you're welcome she didn't call me richard so that's a good sign (laughs) (laughs) so folks if you have a thought we're talking about reverence we're talking about not taking god's name in vain we're talking about living our lives in a way where we can sign our names as a representative representation of jesus christ God Almighty through Jesus in us. That's a, you know, it's a three-step process. Yes. God Almighty through Jesus in us. And when we sign that, can would Jesus himself sign off on what we say, do, and think? What mark do I leave? Yes, exactly. What mark do I leave uh, in, in my life, uh, in, in, in my name? We have a quote here, uh, the phone number. I said, yeah, call in and tell us. But <laughs> didn't give the number. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. And uh, go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and check out our archives. And if you weren't able to hear that program uh, with Amy and Emily, and even Tim called it. Yes, he did. Uh, listen to it. It is 
definitely an inspiring program. So, again, at ChristianQuestions.com. Quick quote from Aristotle. Men are swayed more by fear than by reverence. That speaks volumes. Because of that, we can see how reverence gets left off, left behind, because other things crowd it out. Reverence is something that doesn't necessarily come naturally. It has to be worked on and adopted and developed and, and nurtured and, and, and grown in our lives. Matthew five thirty three to 37. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Okay, make promises, do what you say you're going to do. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes and yes, or no and no. Anything beyond this is of an evil. So, Jonathan, one of the reasons we lack reverence is because we're too busy trying to make ourselves look good. What Jesus is saying is, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to fast forward this 2000 years later to our present day is is people will say things like, "Well, look, I'm going to do this. I swear on my mother's grave I'm going to do this." Jesus is saying, "Stop with that nonsense." Yes. Just say what you're going to do and do it. That's what reverence truly is. It's not all this other fluff to try to make it's, yourself look that's good. That's all vain. Right. It's vain, it's empty. Yeah. It's a forgery. That's right. Of the name of Christ in our lives. We lack reverence because we're too busy fighting for a position in a worthless pecking order. And that's another reason we lack reverence. James 3, 8 through 12. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the image or likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Okay, so the idea is there is a contradiction that James is pointing out. And he's saying this is not right. He's saying there's something that needs to be determined. And that question is, there, there's a, it's a really important question. And, and here, Jonathan, in music form, here's that question. That's the question. Who are you? What does the signature of our actions show to the world? That's the big question. If we are going to not take the name of the Lord our God in vain, then who are you? How important is reverence? And Do we need to focus? I mean, we need to stop and focus on that. Are we living the name of Jesus? Or do we just acclaim the name of Jesus uh, to, to make us feel better? That's the, if we are just merely claiming it... It's kind of hypocritical. It's very hypocritical. It's taking the name of our Lord uh, Jesus... Or God's name in vain through Jesus is really what it, really what it boils down to. Um, just real quick here, Jonathan. Let's uh, Ephesians 4, 25 to 29. 
Therefore, lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, let, let's pause there because we're out of time for this segment. But, um, you know, the whole point here, folks, is who are you? Who am I? Are we living what we profess, or are we forging the name of God through Christ? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do we take God's name in vain? Coming up, what are some practical ways to carry the Lord's name with reverence? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Do We Take God's Name in Vain? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, obviously this is a very big and serious subject. And we have to be so focused on making sure that we honor and respect the name of God, honor and respect the name of Jesus. And and those two names guide and direct not only what we do on Sunday when we go to church, but what we live on every day and what we think every day of our lives. And I wonder, do people see that? Well, and so... If, and if they don't, if, they, if people that you are around on a regular basis don't know there's something different about you, then we have to ask ourselves a question. Well, how well am I living a representation of Jesus? Absolutely. And, and you know, you don't have to put the name of Jesus in their face. No. But you can live the character of Jesus in your life, and it shows them something different. Uh, what causes our reverential lapses, and what doesn't cause our reverential lapses? Let's touch on Matthew fifteen fifteen to 20 before we go back to the phones. Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And those defile the man. So those things that come from the heart, what are they? For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. So it is really from the inside out that Jesus is saying that's where our, our biggest danger of corruption comes from. Yes. Not from the outside in. It's what we, what we conjure within our hearts and what we let that do in our lives. That can corrupt our ability to carry the name of God with reverence. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Vicki from Connecticut. Good morning, Vicki, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning, gentlemen. Is this I the am... Vicki? <laughs> this is a Vicki. <laughs> <laughs> You're our Vicki. I guess, yes, I am your Vicki. <laughs> Not the Vicki, but I will, <laughs> I will admit to being your Vicki. How's okay. that? I'm really appreciating the program today and and, um, taking the time to introspectively look at my life. And as you're talking, I think for me, the big difference, reverence goes along with putting God first, um, as you stated in one of the other commandments at the beginning of the program. And any time that I'm putting anything else first, I've lost that reverence. And I think selfishness is rampant in all of our lives. And when we start putting our own comforts, our own um, affirmations, our own, whatever it is, first, rather than someone else or 
um, the Lord, because if you are acting unselfishly, I think you're still putting God first in that way of not necessarily um, talking his cause at that moment, but in, in your actions. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's kind of going to be a litmus test for me, is how often am I acting unselfishly? And typically in, in all these situations that you're talking about, we're putting ourselves first, our comforts first, our money first, our whatever, um, that takes away from the reverence of God, because all we have comes from Him, and we should claim that and live that every day. All right, so your litmus but, test is the idea of selfishness versus unselfishness. Correct, I think so. Right now, I'll have to, I will be ruminating on the program, I'm sure, for days to come, but right now, that's my, I, I always have to boil it down to something simple because my brain only holds little bits of pieces at a time. Okay. But that will be my, my sound bite, will be, a, my, you know, selfishness versus reverence. All right, well, ruminate away, sister. But thank you very much for everything. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call. All right, Lord Take bless. care, Vic. Bye-bye. So, and, and that, that really is a very simple way of looking at things, and, and sometimes the simpler way is, is the best way to say, okay, am I acting in an unselfish manner? Uh, again, you don't have to put the name of Christ in front of people. That's very practical. That's what we need. Right, right. But am I living and acting in an unselfish way, in a way that, that reflects something that's bigger than just me? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate it. And uh, that is our Vicky. She, <laughs> she has been a part of Christian Questions for, for a long, 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 long time. Jonathan, let's quickly go back to Greg Laurie uh, one more time with other ways of taking God's name in vain and, and sort of the, the, the world of manufacturing, uh, the world of Christian manufacturing. You can buy Christian bird feeders. You need a Christian bird feeder. You have to preach the gospel to every creature, right? You put a little scripture there for the hummingbirds moving around. I can't read it. I move them, but it, you know, it says something. <laughs> hummingbirds are kind of hyper, you know. That was a hummingbird imitation. I don't think I've ever done that video. before, actually. <laughs> probably never do it again. But they have Christian luggage, Christian lamps, mud flaps, wallpaper, candy bars, mouth pads. Do I really need Christian mud flaps? I believe some of these things can be taking the Lord's name in vain. Let me say why. Because they're just taking the name of Jesus and tacking it on something to sell it, you see. And that is taking the name that is above all names, and I think dragging it to the mud a little bit. Thus the mud flap. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, and, and, and he said it was, it was important. Taking the name of Jesus and tacking it onto something to sell it. Or we take the name of Jesus and we tack it on so we can make whatever it is that we're doing okay. But the bottom line is, is what we're doing okay is the name of Jesus, would Jesus be willing to sign off on it, then hand it to God Almighty and have him sign off on it? Mm. That's where the real litmus test comes. Yeah. So it was interesting. And again, I understand the idea of, of wanting a, a Christian bird feeder because it reminds, it's, you know, it's not about the hummingbirds, it's about <laughs> us, okay? <laughs> I, I get the idea of, of putting those reminders out there, but I have a hard time, a personal challenge with profiting because of the name of Christ Jesus. Exactly. And and that to me is where we must draw the line. And you know, obviously we have to make our individual choices. So, Jonathan, we we're running out of time on this. Why do we do the things that we do? If you know the why, you'll know the reverence factor. And that really comes down to a lot of what Vicky was saying just, just a really few minutes does. ago. So, second here, you know, first you got to realize what causes our reverential lapses and what doesn't. Secondly, the practical application. Learn to live reverently. Learn to do reverence. What do you do in your life? I do reverence in my life. 
That's what we want to get to. Matthew 5, 1 to 10. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying... Okay, so Jesus is going to teach his disciples. This is the Sermon on the Mount. There's thousands of people watching, but he's focusing and teaching his disciples specifically. And here's what he says. Each of the following is an action that ultimately finds its basis in reverence. So they're short, little actions that find their basis in in absolute reverence. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, humble humility, that's reverence. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. So mourning, uh, gentleness, those, again, a reverent kind of a spirit, and there's a, a, a blessing that follows each of those things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Again, the reverence is hungering and thirsting for something outside of yourself, something godly, something sacred, and that's where you find satisfaction. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So, and there is nothing more reverential than mercy, because God is a God of mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And again, pure in heart doesn't mean pure in, pure in action. Right, right. We, we can, all make mistakes. We can fall down, but pure in heart wants to get up and be godly again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Not the ones that fly off the handle because of their temper demands what they want. Something different. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you have these, Jonathan, and it really, really puts things in a very different kind of a light. It's a very simple, very straightforward. The Beatitudes show us reverence. This is how we live reverently. The Lord's Prayer starts off, hallowed be thy name. Right. Start there. You know, and and that's an interesting point, because in the New Testament, you don't hear a lot about uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. You hear a lot about, we're taught a lot about hallowing the name of God. Yes. And how to do that. Yes. In the Old Testament, it was very physical, it was very Mm law-related, and don't do this. Notice a lot of the law was don't, 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 don't. Yes. A lot of Christianity is do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. The different approach to the same issues of huma- human imperfection. That's, that's really what it boils down to. Um, you know what, Jonathan? I don't know if we're going to have uh, time for this scripture, so we'll leave this in, in, in the rewind. Fred, how much time do we have before we're, we're done here? Okay, about four minutes. Eh, maybe you know. Let, let's let's try it. Uh, yeah, let's try it. <laughs> One last example of reverential behavior. Let's go back to Moses, Exodus thirty-three, seventeen to twenty-three. The Lord said to Moses, "I will also do this thing of which you spo- have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name." Then Moses said, "I pray you, show me your glory." So Moses wa- understood reverence, but he's asking God to see his glory. He wants to know more about God. It doesn't mean so. So Moses' reverence didn't mean timidity. It meant asking in deep faith. So he wanted to know more about God, and he was bold enough to ask. And he said, "I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious." and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. So God is actually going to, in a way, grant Moses' request. Show me your glory. Well, I will. God says, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will give you a glimpse. So, so he, he notes that Moses is a man of faith and reverence and rewards that. I think that's interesting. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about 
while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, for my face shall not be seen. So Moses was given as much as he could handle for, from, for his frail human state. That was the reward of reverence. Moses lived reverently and was rewarded as He such. was. Didn't mean that Moses was perfect. No. It no. meant that his heart was in the right place. Good. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to the last verse of, of El Shaddai. Uh, again, the same thing, reverencing the name of God. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El sense we will praise and lift you high that's reverence that's taking god's name in an appropriate fashion and not only with words right but in action right and, and one one last example jonathan because i think you know examples are are very important my son tim is in the coast guard we all we all know that yes when he got out of boot camp you know shortly after he got out of boot camp we were talking about the experience and you know boys go into boot camp and men come out of boot camp right and he said to me afterwards he said you know dad when i when i put on the uniform now, when I put on the Coast Guard uniform, I, I'm representing something that's enormously big, and I have, you know, he was trying to express the great respect he had for the uniform and how it changes him. And he said, and he said, he said do you understand what I mean? And my response to him was, I know exactly what you mean, because as a Christian, I said, and these were my words, Tim, I never take my uniform off. Because that's what it means to take God's name reverently and not in vain. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The robe of Christ's righteousness. We wear that uniform with honor and respect and reverence because the name of Christ is representative of the name of God Almighty. So in our lives, folks, as we look at the subject of reverence, let's ask ourselves, am I living in such a way that God through Christ would sign off on the things that I do, the things that I say, and the things that I think? Or are we fooling ourselves? And therefore, are we minimizing our handling and holding the name of God through Christ? This is important. Be reverent. Do not take the name of God in vain. It is far too big a name to be playing around with. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we've truly enjoyed being with you today. We hope you've enjoyed being with us. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, go to ChristianQuestions.com. Check us out on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Do we take God's name in vain? Sometimes we do. What are you going to do about it? Till next week, think about it.